0: Welcome to Business Spotlight on Money Radio WPSC. Business Spotlight is her weekly at this time on 1450 AM and 107.1 FM. Today, Dr. Ralph Ford, Chancellor at Penn State Barron, sits down with John Jarecki, President of the Student Government Association at Penn State Barron.
1: Welcome to Barron Talks where we have discussions with interesting students, faculty, and staff, and friends of the Penn State community. And actually today we have my first uh, student interview. Uh, Today my guest is John Jarecki. John is a senior in the political science program. He's also enrolled in the Schreyer's Honor College, and you are president of the Student Government Association. So welcome here,
0: John. Chancellor, it's good to be with you. Thank you.
1: Well, you are a very familiar face on this campus, and I mean that in a really good way, and you have a a large role. The Student Government Association, it is the voice for our students in terms of academic, extracurricular issues. You allocate a lot of funding. 140 clubs, so why don't you just tell us, you know, what do you do in your role as the president of the Student Government Association?
0: Well, part of what I do, um, Chancellor, is set the uh, overarching goals for the organization. Um, We are, in addition to those things you mentioned, uh, and it's primarily an advocacy group, um, and what that basically means is that we need to determine which uh, issues are important to students and then advocate for those issues. Um, And those issues change pretty frequently. I think one of my jobs, one of the most important things that I do is try to make sure which of those is most important, uh, what what can we use the student government to be doing. And I would say that's... That's one of the things that we work on. So how do you
1: get the feedback from students? How do you figure out which issues you're going to take? And I'm sure you hear all sorts of stuff.
0: Yeah, one of the things that we've actually started is using social media. So we'll use our Instagram page in particular uh, to get responses. I will put up stories. I'll put up posts saying, please send me things that you're concerned about. I really want to hear it. Uh, and that's where we'll get some comments. We also have a suggestion box, which is physical, uh, which I think is less utilized than I would like it to be. Um, but. You know in addition to that uh, i'm around campus a lot as you mentioned and word of mouth is um is also an important way to get feedback from students i would say
1: And you also have a you know a executive committee and a whole organization that gives you feedback as well too right
0: correct student government is extremely representative uh, the way that we've got um, representatives from multicultural council um, from ifc interfraternal council uh, other organizations we tend to get voices from everywhere uh, in that room for general meetings that's really special and i think it helps us uh, hear those problems and hopefully do something about them.
1: Yeah, and I must say I've been, you know, every year, I, every semester at least once, I try to get there. Yeah. And uh, I'll say this as a compliment: it's not, it's not easy. No. Uh, you come to, you come with hard questions. The students come prepared, okay. and you know, I say this as a compliment. and You've heard me say it before, and it's you, it's your predecessors, it's all of the student body. I think the student government association here at Barron, uh has just become a lot more effective and at least more visible to me in the last several years. And it seems to me that, um, you know, you really have a lot of input coming in, but you're far more willing to come to the administration and to the faculty and say, these are the issues in front of you. I mean, so can you walk me through how did that happen? Do you agree with that, first of all? And is that how did that evolution happen?
0: I I definitely agree with that. it's hard for me to say where, where that where that exactly happened. I can only speak for myself and for the way that I have chosen to handle the organization. First thing is I realize that the administration um, you know it, it is political to some degree, but it's really not. The administrators aren't trying to do anything uh, opposed to what students are doing. Uh, generally speaking, the administration really wants to make this campus uh, great. They just have obstacles that they deal with that you deal with for instance mm-hmm. um, and so I've always seen working with the administration, having dialogues as being one of the most important things. It's possible that student government leaders in the past didn't see um, it that way. And I think that uh, that understanding has helped me be a little bit more productive. Because at the end of the day, a lot of the things that I would like to see, um, the administration needs to either approve or work with me a little bit on. Uh, And that's, I think, what's guided me a little bit. More involvement with the administration, I would
1: Mm. say. You know, I'd argue from, you know, quote, the administrative side. Not found that uh, we haven't been able to work with the student government administration or that it's combative or or anything like that. But I would say that I think it's important for your voice to be heard. And sometimes you do tell us things that, you know, we may not want to hear. And uh, we may find uncomfortable. And I think we all have to remind ourselves at times that's how things happen. And we may agree or we may disagree and i mean that's that's okay that's the nature of the way the political system and it's the the way the world works it's not just political right so that's
0: true and again i mean just to reiterate it's 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 nice because again the administration is not uh, opposed to students Um, some of the things that we would like to see uh, simply either aren't feasible uh, don't work into the budget uh, and there's all kinds of practical things that i don't as a student leader have to see and so having those conversations is helpful so that i can communicate to students and say listen you know this uh this this, uh, this, this food service that we want, you know, we might not be able to have a Chick-fil-A in Bruno's, et cetera. So, yeah,
1: and I, what I would say is I certainly hope we're not opposed to students, and I think we're here, uh, and we yeah. all take very seriously the mission of being student-oriented. I say yeah. that a little uh, tongue-in-cheek, but you are right. <laughs> so there, you know, some of the issues that are, you know, uh, it's interesting, we're all working in the same direction. So, yeah. for example, one long You know, one long-term issue we've had is how do we handle some of the traffic, particularly even campus and Jordan Road. And uh, I think the students, uh, you know, they show up on campus and they see that. Uh, And, you know, it it varies at different times of the year in terms of how much an issue that is. But we appreciate that we work together. We go to the township. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are issues in terms of student safety and the like where... Uh, we all work together to put together a plan. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think so, and we've done a good job. I think
1: parking? So. Well, now, you know, parking, parking. <laughs> is always hard on any university campus, right? Yes. Yeah. I like to say we have enough parking, but yeah. we don't always have it where students want it. That's right. right. And, and uh, No, but I really do appreciate that as well. I know we're working through some parking issues right now. I mean, do you want to talk about some of the issues that are current and are important well, to you?
0: Sure. So AMIC parking uh, has been a very important part of this year for the student government, simply because uh, of how many students have, again, basically complained to me about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this culminated in an AMIC parking listening session, I would say, um, that myself and Randy Gearing, who's the senior uh, business officer, um, uh, coordinated. And it was a listening session to hear what the student concerns were. Um, and of course, it got a little bit uh, tense at, at, at times. For those that aren't familiar, AMIC lot um, was was basically closed off to students as a result of negotiations with Harbor Creek Township that came about when that building was constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the lot isn't full a whole lot. And so students won't be able to park there, but we'll see a lot of empty spaces. And that causes frustration, especially when uh, the temperatures get. Uh, a little bit colder and when the yeah. uh, ice start, <laughs> snow starts to fall. So that's a little bit of background on the issue. Uh, of course, this is something that the student government has had to be involved with, especially because of our special relationship with parking mm-hmm. and the way that we are responsible for um, arbitrating parking appeals, determining whether or not those are valid or not. So we've found ourselves at the center of this issue. Um, and we're actually currently in work, you know, working with the administration to see uh, if there's any solution or if it's something that we need to kind of uh, simply work through as students.
1: And I appreciate it. And I think you're right. You know, you take one like that, and it's simply, you know, it's driven by the fact that we have zoning regulations and, you know, right. the way it was set up and the like. So I won't go too much further into that, but I think that's a perfect example of working through the complexity of these issues. I think so. Let's take a minute and talk about you. How did John <laughs> Jarecki, uh yeah. end up at Penn State Baron?
0: Well, you know, I was, I was dead set actually on going to the University of Pittsburgh, which uh, as a proud Penn Stater now, I can't be uh, more both confused at that initial thought and, and, and at the same time more proud of my decision. Um, my, my girlfriend at the time was, was living in Pittsburgh, and I had almost made, it, made that call for that reason. Uh, and at the, at the last minute, I decided to uh, go to Penn State because I did a tour. Uh, and actually, I'd been to uh, our campus, Penn State Barron's campus, a few times through speech and debate tournaments. Um, and I had really enjoyed it. i enjoyed my interaction with the faculty that I was uh, lucky enough to meet. But in the end I decided to uh stay a little bit closer to home, go to Penn State Barrendon. I'm very proud of that decision and uh kind of a great move.
1: Well we're we're happy that you're here and you've become a very active uh you know part you know in, invisible part of this campus. And you know what I like to say about that is it's always about finding the right place for you. and University of Pittsburgh may have been that place, but yeah. we're glad that you're, you' know you came here and you found your, your academic home. Sure. And you know I'll brag about you. I know you do really well. you're a political science major. So why don't you talk a little bit about why did you choose political science and what is it you like about studying political science?
0: Yeah, so a few reasons um, why I chose to study political science. The, the, the first reason, I have to admit, is a little bit superficial. I was always interested in attending law school, so mm-hmm. I did some research as to what was one of the top majors for attending law school. And of course, uh, any person searching that will come, they'll realize that there is really no uh, right major for law school. But I, I found that, for the most part, most of the advice I was getting said political science, um, which fit with my interests. I had been an active, as, as I mentioned, I had been an active um, member in my, on my speech and debate team, my model United Nations team at Fairview High School, uh, where I attended. I've always been interested in civic issues, and so it's been, on the one hand, very e- encouraging to learn more about something I'm already very passionate about, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's helped me really get into the weeds with it. Um, what continues to really make this stuff interesting is just the environment that we're living in now. Uh, it's a problematic political climate, to say the least, and I'm sure we might get into that a little bit about how that's happened on campus, but uh, it's, it's interesting to study these issues to to realize that, in fact, we aren't living in a crazy tumultuous time. There were tumultuous times in the past, even 10 years ago, uh, and so getting that perspective is helpful uh, and, and well, heartening, I would say.
1: Tell me about how you got involved in SGA.
0: Well, um, I actually remember I was, um, it was one of my first few days on campus, and I remember seeing blue shirts with, with the student government logo uh, walking around campus, and there was the very impressive Mustafa El-Hadri, who was mm-hmm. my uh, predecessor, who came up to me and said, are you interested in joining student government? And it is, it is as simple as that. And uh, I thought about it for a second, and I said, you know what? Let's give that a shot. I had never been in student government in high school, um, but I could see the connection uh, between speech and debate, those kinds of things. Uh, discussions, et cetera. Um, So I decided to give it a shot and I ran in the in-house senator elections and I luckily got a spot. So that's sort of where that adventure began, I would say.
1: And you've also been president for two years, which is unusual. There aren't a lot of students who've done that.
0: Yes. Yes. It, it's, it's been an interesting ride. I'm glad that I've been able to to have it for so long. <laughs> you know,
1: one of the things you made me think about was Mustafa, you know, also, he he, he was really a big presence on this campus and did an, a tremendous amount, highly engaged. But you ended up running against him, didn't you?
0: I did, yes. That was a mistake. Was it? Oh, I, it, no, te- it, it seemed like, you, you know,
1: everyone, <laughs> you, you continued to work together after that.
0: You know, we did, actually. Um, as a freshman i ran for vice president which we can discuss whether or not that would have been a great move uh for the student government or for the for the campus but but i did run uh we i was not successful in that bid i think mustafa deserved two terms though so i was glad to see that that happened um and i've had my chance but but we did we Excellent. had a really great working yeah. relationship one of his i think one of his best talents is being able to focus on the work at hand not letting uh you know competition. Yeah, get, get in, in the way. way.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is when you when you look at uh, the faces and you sit down with the Student Government Association, you see a lot of diversity there. I would say more diversity in SGA than the the general student body. Why do you think that is?
0: It's an interesting question. I think for the most part, it's just because we've got a lot of student advocates um, in, in the student government, and advocates come from different corners because there's different issues uh, that we have to address. Um, on the one hand, this is a result of the way that we administer administrate uh these these mm-hmm. talks on the, we have specific seats for specific uh, folks we've got as i say people from uh you know multicultural accounts we've got folks from different groups um but in general you know the the students that tend to take an interest in student government tend to be advocates they've got issues on their minds and luckily that have we, we hear from diverse uh folks and we get diverse voices you know the
1: one thing that I uh, I think that's it, too. But I'll also say I see more international students, too. And it just seems to me that maybe from the political systems in which they come, they're just a little bit more outgoing in terms of getting involved than some of our U.S. students. Is that true?
0: You know, I think I haven't thought about in, the, in those terms exactly, but I think there's some truth to that. I think you're right. Um, there is a reluctance on the part of some, I think, domestic students to uh, get involved to the degree that these international students have. Um, I think also they they see the value. Uh, uh, I think in some ways a little bit more. Of course, we've got a lot of good domestic senators as well. Um, but yeah, I would say that definitely, uh, yeah. you know, internationally there's there's a big interest in in trying to make things better. And uh, I'm glad that they're bringing that to our campus and to our student government. I think it's essential.
1: Well, let me ask you this: so you've been in this role for a while. How do you I mean? What's your approach? How do you like to approach your job as the student government president?
0: I try to stay connected with as many members of the organization as I can, uh, from my vice president uh, pretty much every day to uh, the person that's taking our minutes, who I might see um, once a week. I try to stay connected with folks. I try to keep keep my head to the, to the ground as to what's happening within the organization. Um, and of course, as I said, I walk around campus. I try to stay connected with what the students are concerned about. Because if I'm still fighting for um, Let's say the closing of Jordan Road, which is a legacy project, which will Mm -hmm. take place many years from now. um, I'm missing the forest for the trees. I'm going to be missing the other smaller issues uh, that need to be addressed. It's a. I have a a very big interest in doing as much as I can for the student body. Um, I try to, after every month, think about you know, is the campus better off for the student government having existed? And if the answer is no, then we have to look at what we're doing and uh, change some things.
1: In this position. Uh, it's not an easy one.
0: Yeah. Uh, you have to make difficult decisions. I'm sure you get criticism. How do you handle it? You know, your, your question is making me think of a story, uh, which was uh, a campus a dispute that resulted in uh, one of our executive officers having to have to go through an impeachment trial. And during that impeachment trial, there was lots of criticism in the Baron Beacon um, about both myself yeah, for I, the action. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it was a good time. Um, <laughs> and, and of course, that is never something as the president of an organization you want to see. Um, and it was not productive. It's not constructive. It wasn't helpful. I think what got me through those kinds of moments of uh, you know tense discussions is just you know you got to remember that you're here to do the best that you can. Sometimes uh, you make mistakes, but there's people around you that, that support you as well. Um, and at the end of the day, you have to have an internal, uh, I would say compass. You, you cannot constantly be, uh, you know, blowing in the wind, you know, doing anything that anybody ever tells you to do and complains. You're a leader and you have to understand that. So,
1: yeah. And you know, That's a really good example, and advice I give to people, and it's age-old wisdom, because we all go through it, right? So I made my fair share of mistakes as well, believe it or not. And, uh, of course, is that as painful as those things are, you know, usually in the end, you do see some better outcome for you personally. And the truth is we want everything to run smoothly in this world, but the world doesn't get better when everything runs so smoothly. Mm -hmm. So you do need that descent. You do need that difficult decision. Otherwise, it would be easy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be a leader. So, uh, you right. know, that's the way I, I like to think about it and talk to students and say, y- right. you, don't, you don't grow by being, you know, protected or having everything taken, you know, the easy for you. You only grow by the really difficult things in your life. Yeah. And yeah. you don't usually see that until sometimes years afterwards.
0: And if I could just make a personal note, I think that's exactly right. I think my, my personal, my best personal growth in this job has been a result of that criticism. I think that that was something that I really wasn't accustomed to, at least at that level. Um, and, of course, this is a student government. I mean, there's, there's folks you know, like yourself that are, that are in chancellor positions. There's senators that, that have to go through this. But I think it's good, even at my level, to get that exposure to that. Uh, it's, it's almost like you're becoming immune to it in some degree. It's a little, a little shot of it. But No, it's really yeah. important.
1: Well, let me be really clear. If, yeah. <laughs> first of all, I wasn't involved in student government when I was a, a student. And if I had, and my name was in the newspaper being criticized, I would have been mortified. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure you handled it far better than I did. So, uh, but that's how you end up in you know larger mm-hmm. roles and you know with more responsibility in life. So, no, uh, it's always easy to criticize from the outside, uh, but being in the arena, so to speak, is is a tough thing to do. But I think it's also admirable. Look, let's talk a little bit about you. You know, uh, I still want to stick on this. You you're, you keep a really full schedule. You're active in Greek. Greek life. I know you were part of the Baron Beacon. Mm-hmm. You still write some articles there, head of Student Government Association. You're Shryer's Honors student. How do you do it all?
0: Well, I think that you, you need to have some, I'm going to give you a, an answer that might not be so interesting, but you have to have good time management skills mm-hmm. um, on the one hand. On the other hand, uh, you have to be interested in kind of the things that you want to do. I'm interested in writing for The Beacon. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to do it as much. Uh, I'm interested, uh, of course, in being in student government, and I'm interested in being a student to the, the best of the best that I can. And so if you have an interest in those things, I think you'll make time. Um, I don't watch a lot of Netflix, maybe mm-hmm. as much as some of my roommates do in Delta Chi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I might do some other things a little less, but you know what? It's, it's uh, what I choose to do with my time, and it's I try to do it well. It's important not to be so overburdened that you can't do any one thing well though. Uh, but uh, I've tried to avoid that.
1: Yeah, you have to avoid that too, but also you can't only study, you have to do other things as well. Yes, That's also essential. a formula for disaster. Yes, I agree. So you are a Shryer's Honors student and you're writing a thesis. So why don't you just tell everybody, what is this Schreier's Honors Program
0: and what are you researching? What are you figuring out? Well, the Schreier's Honors College is a, is a really prestigious uh, organization within Penn State that supports students who want to do research, um, take more honors classes than the average student would, um, and it's a, it's a great opportunity specifically for research. Uh, my thesis currently, which I'm working with Dr. John Gamble, who's a distinguished professor of political science and international law here, is on the visualization of, of law. Through the Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties, which was uh, which was signed in 1969, uh, but which has had a massive impact on international law, uh, of course, because mm-hmm. treaties are one of the, the the foundations of international law. So visual, vi- visualization, excuse me, is at its at its face realizing that we need to be incorporating uh, some some uh, some some visual elements. In addition to black letter law, I would say mm-hmm. we can't. A lot of law is focused on the codification of statutes, et etc. We want to include some graphs and pictures. So you're developing the visualization techniques for this, it, to some degree. I'm 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 researching what others have done in the past, and I'm de- I'm developing visualization techniques for that specific treaty. And it really does make a difference. In fact, I remember one.
1: When- day not that long ago when I was having breakfast with Dr. Gamble and he pulled out yeah. a book on visualization. And he showed me all these different graphs. Yeah. I'm sorry I don't know the name of the author but I'm sure he showed it to you. Sure yes. So I'm sure that's part of your project now.
0: It is it is and it's been and it's one of those things that Dr. Gamble has been working on and it's great to get his lifetime of, of, of thinking about these problems and it's, it's so exciting to be a part of that.
1: So you have to write your thesis by the end of this semester is that it? I do. All right. Please don't remind me. <laughs> well, you've got a, few, you know, you've got, got two time. two months, maybe. So I have, uh, an, I
0: have an email that I just got to uh, schedule my my thesis defense. So I'm going to have to defend it in front of a jury of my peers, and hopefully, I do it.
1: Well, I am sure you will do really well. Yeah. Uh, you and SGA have done done a lot, as we said earlier. But let's let's put some meat on the bone, so to speak. One is the new lion bench in the Ben Lane Plaza. How did that come about?
0: Well, this this came about actually as a as a result of the of a of a visit. During a visit to a Penn State campus during the Council of Commonwealth Student Governments, hmm. uh, which is a, a chance for uh, student government presidents from all over the Commonwealth, you know, whether you be from Penn State Altoona, Penn State Behrend, Penn State Fayette, to come together and, and uh, share ideas. And this was one of those things that we saw at another Penn State campus that I thought would, be, uh, that would look great at Barron, and I think it has, and I think it's had that uh, reaction.
1: So I when saw. you came back, did you tell everybody you've got to see this?
0: You know, that's part, part of it. I, I should also mention that uh, the previous administration had also uh, had this as one of the, the projects that they wanted to, to have focused on, but, but it, mm-hmm. it didn't make it on the docket. And so there was a lot of internal um, student government interest in this project initially. And as soon as we saw it at the other campus, that really sparked, sparked our interest, and we went from
1: there. Well, you know, the thing about that is it's almost lifelike looking. So, you know, for <laughs> those who haven't seen it, or, yeah. you know, our listeners, it's uh, it's the Penn State lion sitting on a bench, and tell us, you know, what what is it? What does it look like, and how how is it? You know, uh, a reminder that we're part of Penn State.
0: Absolutely, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I sent a screenshot of this of this lion to a professor of mine, Robert Spiel, uh, who's all, who's in the political science department, and he basically laughed it off because he said, "Well, who's that in the lion suit that's sitting on the bench?" And I was like, that's a statue. <laughs> so it looks exactly as you'd imagine our mascot to look like with a uh, white and blue tie. And it's, it's been, a, I think, received well on campus. And students love to pose with it, take pictures, um, and uh, to enjoy it. So
1: Yeah, I see a lot of people getting their photos taken there. And that's the thing that's yeah. taken a while to get used to it. First, you, you think somebody's sitting there, right. and you realize later, oh, it's just very <laughs> lifelike. But I think it's a great reminder of you know the larger Penn State that we are part of, so students have been favorable about it. The outcome
0: they really have, yes, I would say, uh, it, and that's ex- pretty much what we wanted. Um, I was interested in it also from from a recruitment perspective as well. Um, I have always appreciated physical reminders of where we are. The the Mary Barrent Memorial, I think, is a great example of that. Things that remind us where we are places to take pictures, uh, so that when you leave this campus, you, you kind of you know, remember that, that, those memories. Yeah, they're um, those
1: iconic places. Yeah,
0: and I hope that I can come back you know, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, and you know, sit on that bench, or maybe there'll be like four at that point, I don't know, but, uh, but it'd be great to see that.
1: Well, you're always welcome back, of course, as you I appreciate know. that. So let's talk about another project, and I think this one was really important to you personally, and that was the, uh, the new commuter lounge, and uh, you know, how did that come about, and what
0: is it? The commuter lounge, I think, um, was a little bit more difficult of a project to actually accomplish. Um, but as, as you know, uh, Penn State Behrend has almost, uh, as I believe, a little bit over half uh, of a commuter population. And that being the case, we didn't have any kind of place for them to be. Uh, there was, of course, Bruno's that commuters could hang out in. There's the Reed Union Building, but they didn't have a home. And I was interested in, in making sure that they did have a place uh, during those periods of time when they weren't uh, in class. And so we identified the Smith Chapel, uh, specifically the living room as being a place uh, that we could uh, have that space. And luckily enough, we were able to to lock that down. Um, We also advocated for the hiring of of a part-time commuter coordinator, uh, which was done in Lauren Gutman, has been in that role since the beginning of this year. She's done a fantastic job to support commuters. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was such a gratifying project for me because I can walk by the commuter lounge and I can see folks sitting in there. We've got free coffee there. So for our listeners, if you're ever interested in some free coffee... Uh, check stop out by the, the commuter. Stop at the yeah. That's, that's right. Uh, but it's it's a really nice place to be. I see people studying. I see friendships being made there, and it's it's great. It, that the, the social component for commuters who might not otherwise be in clubs, I think yeah. is can't be stressed enough.
1: I think it's a great success, and as we continue to grow campus, you know the, the issue, the reason why it was difficult, my guess is, of course, space is always a difficult problem to solve on a campus. There's never enough, and you're trying to find the right spaces for people. Right. That's true. Uh, Let me switch to another one. You organized a civility and discourse forum. What is that about?
0: Well, the civility and discourse forum was a way for us to be a little bit more civil in our discourse, a little bit more uh, polite in the way that we spoke to each other. Uh, This is not necessarily, uh, I'm I'm hesitant to to characterize it this way because I know folks tend to revert back to the college students as snowflakes kind of mentality. The fact is that's, that's not the case, but we need to, on college campuses, be aware of the fact that we're in a and a confluence of all kinds of different opinions in a way that very few other places are. Uh, And so we do have to take special precautions to make sure that we're having productive uh, discussions and we're not um, engaging in dialogue that can uh, become unproductive. And our forum, which was hosted after it was brought to my attention that there was some of those issues, uh, really tackled that, helped us learn how we could speak with each other, um, and I think it was extremely productive, and I, I want to have another one, so we'll see if we can do it. But, but it's, I think it was very successful and helped us out.
1: Well, I'd like to come to it, and uh, I think I struggle with it as well as to whether – because I ask for civility and respect in discussions. I think we've got to think a little bit about that because it's exactly the opposite. It What I've heard from students is they don't want to have discussions with people who don't hold – the same political view as them. And I think what you're doing is you're getting people to have the difficult discussions with others that they might not otherwise have. Right. And that's where real growth happens, and that's where you learning happens, and it's far more beneficial. Right. And I think what we mean by civility is, and we've got to be careful, we're not trying to squelch the discussion, but yelling and screaming and reverting into your own corner probably isn't as valuable about having some really difficult conversation that's needed.
0: That's exactly right. And, and what, we, what we do see is that, in, just like in national politics, uh, we have people that become polarized because they run to the polls and because they stay there. And it's important, especially in, in college, because this is, as I say, such a great place um, to interact with other people because there are people from all over the place meeting here. Uh, so it's, it's, it's almost ludicrous to me not to take advantage of that environment while we have it so readily available. and. Um, and yeah, I think I think forums like the one that we conducted are helpful. Uh, but of course, students need to, in their daily lives, go out of their way to make sure uh, that they're not living in the bubble because it's easy to be there, and it's uh, it's long term. It's not a good place to be.
1: Yeah, I think well said. And you know, we're at a really really divisive place in our country right now. But I have hope that that won't always be the case, but you do need, uh, you know, people, everybody got along, the world wouldn't advance. That's, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. So. Uh, it's that right balance. Or we'd go in the wrong direction. Or you'd be going in the wrong direction. Yeah. And we've had, frankly, worse times in our country, but people just don't recognize that historically. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. What do you hope to uh, for for the future of the Student Government Association <clears throat> and your legacy as president of SGA for two
0: years? Well, I hope, number one, for the for the for the Student Government Association that we continue to be relevant, that we continue to be on campus listening to the needs of students. Um, the fact is, is that we're, we're an association and not a club in the usual sense. I, I think at student government at its best, it's representative, um, it's engaging, it's moving forward. Um, I would hate to see it become Uh, just a club, just a place where people meet and engage with others. It's true that we have those kinds of benefits, Mm -hmm. um, but that cannot be all we do. We cannot just hang out with each other and and call each other senator because that gets silly. We're here to do a job, Mm -hmm. and I hope that uh, that that continues to be the focus of future student government leaders. And I've got reason to believe that that will be the case. For my legacy, it's really hard to talk about your own legacy in these terms. I hope that um, I just you know, did well uh, with, with the position while I had it. I hope that we steered the ship in a decent direction. And I hope that there doesn't need to be a whole lot of correcting after I leave. Uh, but, uh, but it's been great. And I've, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to, uh, to, to be doing this. I'm really lucky.
1: Well, thank you for being my guest today and for all that you have done. And I'm sure we'll continue to do in this role. It's been a great conversation. Thank Chancellor, you. It's been fine. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Business Spotlight on Money Radio WPSE. Join us again on Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m. for an encore presentation of the Business Spotlight with Dr. Ralph Ford, Chancellor at Penn State Barron.